Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. Impact of influence: the Murdoch family murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. So glad that you're going to spend some time with us, and always so grateful. Matt Harris here, and Seton Tucker is here. You can check out Impact of Influence on Facebook. We'd love your comments. Keep them coming. This episode, Seton, what are we be talking about? We are going to be talking about the boating death of 19-year-old Jaden Phillips, who was killed on the Congaree River in Richland County, South Carolina. The accident occurred on May 16th of 2020, and sadly, he died four days later. Here is the 911 call. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Herb's right there. Shut up, chill out. Huh? Come on, come on, come on. County 911. Yes, ma'am. I need an uh, ambulance down here at uh, Bates Bridge Landing on 601 St. Matthews. Okay, what's going on? I have no idea. There's a boy up here bleeding out of his head. Okay, did he did he fall out of a boat or? I have no head? idea. I, have, I don't know. All right, hold on. Let me change you to um, Richland no! County. Hold on, okay? Hold on. All right, all right. Where's your emergency team? Yes, ma'am. I need an ambulance down here at 601 Boat Ramp, uh, Bates Bridge. What's right going on there, sir? What's that? What's going on? I have no idea. There's a guy. He's got a uh, confusion. He's pouring blood out of his head. He just pulled up at the boat ramp. Okay, sir, is anybody there with him? Do they have anything yes, no. to apply pressure? I, I, yes, I can take my shirt off and apply pressure. Okay, apply pressure as hard as you can until somebody gets there. You said it's um, the 601 boat ramp? Yep, it's the Bates Bridge Landing. You don't know what happened? No, I don't know what happened. So many obvious issues with that just by listening to it if you didn't even know the story. But we're going to dive into the, the whole accident more. We uh, bring in Jen Wood from Fitz News. Hello, Jen. Hey, Matt. How are you? Good. And Jen did an amazing investigative piece of journalism this week covering the story involving Jaden Phillips. It's, it's horrible to hear these 911 calls. And... It's even more horrible when you're listening to it and realizing there are some serious issues that are happening just in that phone call. But let's set up the day, Seton, of Jaden Phillips' 19th birthday. Yes, he had made plans to go to the Congaree River with family and friends and spend the weekend. They started out around 11.30 a.m. and they set up camp. And some of the group went to fish, some stayed at the camp, and some went to the sandbar. Uh, Jaden decided to go to the sandbar with a few others, including a man named Irvin Eckroat. And shortly after 7 p.m., Jaden sends a video to a friend who was not there named Carson Manning. Jen, explain to us what was in this video. 
so it was a video of everybody at at the at the sand uh, bar, and you could see Irving Irvin in the background swaying. And Jaden says, "Man, you're effed up." And you know, it's pretty obvious in the video that you know it's it's a party; they're having fun. But it was pretty obvious that Irvin had been drinking. And we hear some testimony from Carson Manning, the friend. And she said she also received a FaceTime call from Jaden where you could see Irving Eckert in the background weaving. She says he was drinking and seemed intoxicated. Now, sometime after this video was taken, Jaden left by boat uh, and it was driven by Irvin Eckert. And another boat was following the boat, which was driven by Eric Langan. Jen, what happened in the time from when this video was taken and the 911 call was placed at 7.57? So from what I could tell from the incident reports, it appears as around 7.30-ish, they all decided it was time to head back to the campsite and get dinner. So Irvin and Jaden were in the boat ahead of Eric, and they were going faster than Eric. So he fell behind him, and he didn't see what happened. But when he came up to them, they were stuck in this tree and Jaden was unconscious in the boat. Irvin said that they had come around the corner and saw, you know, this tree and he said duck. Jaden didn't duck in time and he had sustained a head injury. But when Eric saw him, he was obviously very, very much like things were not good. He was, um, you know, just you could tell he was very injured, unconscious. And Eric said, told Irvin Eckrat to get him back to the boat ramp and call 911 and he would go back to the campsite, get Jaden's father and meet him at the landing. His boat pulled up, according to him, in this incident report right after because he says the tree was still shaking. Right. And what's interesting is when you see the the riverway, it's it's a very wide, it's not like it's a skinny little river, right? You have plenty of options to not go near the shore where the trees are yep absolutely so and, that's and then questionable it, then it took about 30 minutes for the ambulance to arrive and when they did you can hear this confusion in the background of the 911 call there were only two emts in this ambulance and because of the severity of his injuries it required two medical personnel to be in the back of the ambulance with him so they had to wait for another ambulance to come so that they would have three people to ride. Um, so, you know, we have the 911 call, which was not placed right when the accident happened. So wait, let me back you up on that. The, the other boater who wasn't part of the accident, he tells the guy that was driving the other boat to call. And you're saying he doesn't call 911? He does not call 911. And so, Jen, the 911 call, why is there a confusion on the 911 call where it appears like, well, I'm I'm this county, you're that county. Explain why that was an issue. So the Bates Bridge landing is like 500 feet within Richland County. So right, you know, right there, you're at the corner of Orangeburg, Calhoun, and it's just kind of like where all of these counties intersect. So they were trying to figure out whose jurisdiction it was to respond. So the call bounces back and forth. The call was actually made by a bystander who was at the boat ramp who saw them come in and said, oh, my God, like immediately knew 911 had to be called. But 
it was never made by Irvin Ekram. In the, in the time it took for him to get, you know, get from the accident site to the boat ramp, there was no call made to 911. So given how long, which we think it was about 15 minute boat ride, that was, a, that was one 15 minute delay. So the bystander calls 911 while another bystander who happened to be a first responder himself started administering first aid to him. And the call gets bounced back and forth between 911 call centers while they figure out who was responding. And this Paul Cato, who was trained as an emergency medical provider, he testified that he was going to possibly have to get on the ambulance with them to go so that they would be able to, to leave quickly. He also said that it took 30 minutes for the ambulance to arrive. So there was a lot of lost time. And with a head injury, that's pretty significant. Well, not just to, to take a flashback, a similar type thing happened in the Mallory Beach, Paul Murdoch boating uh, crash, where there was a little bit of bouncing back and forth and confusion of what ramp they were and, and where they were in the waters. And that was a delay. Yeah, that was one of the reasons I became interested in this story. Post and Courier had done an article a while back, and it there were some similarities. We should also get back to Paul Cato, who was this emergency medical person who was rendering aid. He also testified that he had to move beer cans out of the way so he could render aid. During all this confusion, there was no field sobriety test given to anyone and very little questioning done, in my opinion. Right. So Richland County Sheriff's Department responded along with the ambulance. So it was a sheriff's deputy and and EMT personnel who who responded to the scene. But technically in South Carolina, the South Carolina Department of National uh, Department of Natural Resources has jurisdiction over all boating accidents. So all boating accidents should immediately be reported to the SCDNR so that they can do their investigation because boat accident investigations are they're specialized kind of investigation. Not everybody has the skill set to do those. Right. Which in this case was really interesting because DNR was not officially notified until seven days later. And that they, they should have been notified immediately so that they could start their investigation. Now, one of the bystanders actually did call an officer of DNR and told him about it, but there was no real official notification to DNR for seven days after the incident occurred. And all this is coming out in this eventually. Right at the time, nothing seems to be going in some sort of organized fashion toward an investigation. As you said, no sobriety test, no breathalyzer. Uh, I don't even think did I read right that they weren't even like asking the guy his name? Did I, Jen? Did I read that? That uh, yeah, you read that right. They didn't ask any names, no questions. The responding officer, Deputy Brigman, said, "Don't look anything unusual," and he just kind of like gives the boat a once over. He doesn't. He says, "I can't tell if this is an accident or what's going on," and there, there's no effort to determine if, if Ekrat, who was the driver, well, first of all, that he was the driver, and secondly, if he was intoxicated while he was driving the boat. And there were some dash cam videos, which Post and Courier um, had, and in that, you you see this officer from Richland County, Officer Brigman, uh, questioning Irvin Ekrat, and he you know, says, well, I said duck, and 
kind of loosely, I don't even know if you could say questioning him. It, It was very odd. And he just says, well, okay, that makes sense. I mean, that makes it more clear. But he never asked him if he was drinking. And he just basically takes Irvin's uh, statement that he said, hey, duck, and that he was hit by a limb at face value. It seemed like there was not much questioning or investigation beyond that point. Right. And um, the injuries that he sustained, you know, if somebody were to, first of all, he said it was a limb, it was a branch that was overhanging the river and he hit that. But, you know, looking back at what the, the scene, the pictures we see of the scene, it was a whole tree in the river. And the river was really wide at that point. And his injuries, if you look at them, um, you know, they were to the front and the back of his head. He had sustained, you know, blunt force trauma to both sides. If you miss, if you don't duck, it's really only going to be either the front or the back, depending on which way you're facing. Sure. Yeah, the injuries really didn't align with what was being told to the officer. We heard some testimony. We'll get to this coroner's inquest in a bit. But we heard some testimony about him appearing to have a road rash, bruising. This is from the EMT officer who was rendering aid. Um, You know, his clothing was wet. So there were some questions about whether the story really made sense that he was hit by a singular limb. And we're going to dive deeper into that, but I have to ask you guys about uh, Jaden's parents. During this span of four days or so where where Jaden is hospitalized, what are they thinking and how do we know what they're thinking, Jen, about what might happen? Let's talk about one of our sponsors. It is Factor. You can eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh meal is never frozen and is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, and they are ready in just two minutes. What did you have chili the other day? Delicious. And if you want gourmet meals, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, asparagus. So head to factormeals.com slash impact 50 and use code impact 50 five oh to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box that codes impact 50 at factormeals.com slash impact 50 to get 50 percent off your first box and 20 percent off your next box while your subscription is active impact 50 at factormeals.com slash impact 50 to get 50 percent off your first box and 20 percent off your next box while your subscription is active. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Well, in the supplemental incident report that I reviewed from Richland County that, you know, that they did a follow-up investigation, Jaden's parents told them that, you know, they're in the hospital with their child who is in extremely critical condition. They assumed that while they were in there, there was an investigation ongoing, whether to what happened to him that, that day, what like the, the circumstances that led to him being in the hospital, they assumed that that was happening. 
It's Wild Wild Pest, the deep dive podcast about the South's most notorious outlaws. Palmetto Pete and his posse were the nastiest cockroaches you could ever fear to meet. Nope. Trespassing, loitering, scaring innocent folk when they turned on the light. No thanks. And that's not to mention all the diseases the germ-ridden no-good nicks were known to spread. Oh no. Oh yes, but fear not. Terminix was on the case with all the skills, experience, and tools needed to outdraw the outlaws. Learn more at TrustTerminix.com. So that is why they continued to put pressure on everyone as this was going on. And what was the next step? Well, this is seven days later, and this is when DNR is finally notified and starts their investigation. Jen, what do you think about this seven-day delay? I mean, a a delay in an investigation, I mean, they always say the first hours of an investigation are critical. And the delay, when you delay an investigation, you're not going to be able to get all of the evidence. Evidence starts disappearing. Um, You know, like the boat GPS, that every time they started the boat back up, the GPS reset itself. So they lost the opportunity to determine Efrat's speed at the time of collision. Well, another thing I noticed in this supplemental report was when Eckert turned himself into April Smith, the DMR officer, he was asked about his cell phone, and she was told that he no longer had it. Right. Did she ask where it went? Because, I mean, I know my cell phone. My cell phone, I, I change my cell phone out once every, you know, two years. And when I'm changing it out, all of the data gets transferred. So do you no longer have a cell phone? Who's your cell phone playing with? Let's talk about a subpoena, you know? We heard that there were beer cans in the bottom of this boat. Well. They're probably gone by now. Because yeah, no pictures were taken at the scene, I'm taking it, of the of the boat? No photos that I could see in what I was provided through FOIAs. Right. Now, they refinished their report. Jen, what is the conclusion? So they concluded that it was an accident and Eprat was charged with driving under suspension and negligent operation of a watercraft. Neither of those charges were related to Jaden's death. And did you notice something that I found very odd in this report was that it doesn't appear as if Irvin Eckert was actually interviewed for the report. They interviewed other people who were there and, you know, Carson Manning, who received the video, but the, he was not interviewed for this report. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I, I the whole investigation just, to me, it... So many things. So there were so many missed opportunities for authorities to do a thorough investigation. And it just doesn't look like that happened in this case. Fast forward to May 13th, 2022. Wrongful death lawsuit is filed by the Phillips family uh, in Richland County against SCDNR, various Richland County entities, employees, and against ECROT. And then we jump from there to August 22nd, the coroner's inquest, which was uh, out in Winston County by coroner uh, Nadia Rutherford. Jen, what is a coroner's inquest and how often does that happen? Coroner's inquests in South Carolina are extremely rare. And the purpose of them is to determine the manner of death. So... Coroner Rutherford saw the injuries that Jaden Phillips sustained and said, "This these injuries do not make sense with what was 
what was told to officers. So they can, they review everything in front of a jury and they determine if the manner of death was natural, accidental, suicidal, homicidal, or undetermined. So they subpoena, they give the coroner subpoena power in these instances. They subpoena witnesses and the witness testimony is heard in front of a jury who makes a determination on the, the manner of death. And I attended this hearing and Corner Rutherford put out an Instagram video this past weekend, and she said that there were 20 witnesses subpoenaed, and some showed up and some didn't. I I think I counted eight witnesses who testified, and notably absent was Irvin Equot, the driver of the boat, and also officers from Richland County, Officer Truluck, who did the report, and the DNR officer who investigated this case, April Smith. I would think there's repercussions if you don't answer a subpoena. You don't do what you're subpoenaed to do. Maybe I'm wrong on that, Jen. Are you surprised by people just blowing off this uh, coroner's inquest? I was very surprised. I I mean, to me, subpoena, if you don't respond to a subpoena, you are not responding to a order by the court. It's contempt of court, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, an Ekrat, well, well, he, he, when he, comes to testify, he does have the right to invoke the Fifth Amendment and say, you know, I'm not going to testify because it could incriminate me. The officers, I I don't know if there was, if they were unable to respond due to the pending civil litigation, but to to me, looping the family in would be critical in that instance. Absolutely. And when you're there, you see the family and friends appearing to be kind of confused when they're wondering why these people aren't there and sh- and shocked. The father, in regards to Irving, when he testified, said, if you have nothing to hide, why aren't you here? The father, the father, the, his yeah, father, uh, Shane, father. Uh, yeah, Jaden's father testified that, you know, if, if you have nothing to hide, why aren't you here? Give me the visual on this. Are they, uh, does the prosecutor read someone's name and they go, not here? I mean, so is that how you know that they're not, are they reading the names they, off? N- they didn't read all 20 names yeah. off, but there were a few people that they read the names and they w- were not there. Gotcha. Um, and then it seemed to be a bit confusing. And Coroner Rutherford has never conducted one of these hearings before. So she is in where the judge would sit. The jury's on the other side. And she is asking the questions. Oh, okay. Okay, I got it. Yeah, it, it, it was really interesting. She, and I think... She said in her video that there had not been one done since, was it 2013 or 2014? It had been quite some time. Yeah, it was around that time. She's sitting in the judge's spot, and she's asking the question. It's not like a prosecutor or a defense or anything like that. It's just her asking anybody that was subpoenaed questions. Exactly. Okay, I got it. People who testified, a lot, most of them were people who were on the scene, who maybe were at the boat dock when when they arrived at the dock or were with Jaden earlier in the day. Um, We also heard from the person who received a Snapchat video from Jaden, but notably absent was there was no medical testimony presented. Do we know what happened to the previous coroner that ruled the way that they ruled? Were they going to be called? Do we know anything about that person? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but coroner Rutherford you know, did say that this was before she was in office and 
She also says a few things in her video from this past weekend, like the ball was dropped. Mm. And I'm assuming she's referring to law enforcement officers. I don't know if she's talking about the previous coroner. Okay. I don't know that they could have done anything. I mean, the investigation just didn't, there was such a lack of investigation. But she's making it happen. This cor- the current coroner is making it happen, right? Well, I mean, sh- she did conduct this hearing, um, and we heard from people, but we didn't hear from law enforcement or any sort of medical testimony. And the outcome of the hearing was that the jury felt like it was still accidental based on the information that they were provided. Mm. And, and where do we go from here, Jen? Well, now, I mean, really the only, the only route that they have left for justice is that civil lawsuit, which is proceeding through court as civil lawsuits do slowly. Um, but it is making progress. But I, I mean, I think from just what I've read regarding Jamie's parents, they just don't want his death to be in vain. They want to see some changes, some some something come out of this, which, you know, I think is it's important to any parent who loses a child tragically, tragically like that. Absolutely. You would never want to feel like your child's life was taken and in vain and nothing was going to come of it. I did have an opportunity to speak with a representative from MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, who was there supporting the family. And she has been doing this for over 20 years. And she said that she had never seen a voting under the influence case successfully prosecuted. Mm. Well, you know, it's something that we've talked about in this on this show before, and I know they've written about it in, in Fitz News as well, uh, and it, you start dealing with the Mallory Beach case, there's a lot of education that needs to go from parents to kids too, or even young adults, or whatever you that, about being aware of who is captaining your boat, who are you getting in a boat with, uh, ways to avoid certain situations. This is not a way victim blaming or anything, but I don't think it's talked about enough. We talk about it in cars all the time. Well, also, it, the fact that you have DNR and, law, and you know, the Richland County Sheriff's Office both involved in this case, muddles it, it. it muddles it. It's confusing. And is DNR equipped to really investigate deaths on That's the water? That's a very good point. That is a very good point. I mean, boats go fast. This boat, went, this the boat that Irvin Eckrat was driving was was had an engine that was very powerful and it went from what i could tell like up to 60 70 miles an hour and we have to remember boats when you're on them they do not have a braking system they do not have seat belts mm-hmm. people are seated in all different directions i mean it's they're not they're they're even more dangerous than cars yeah the same can be said of jet skis and, and watercrafts like that people forget when they're driving if they're not used to them that there is no brake and Jen has experience with this Jen tell us a little bit about your background in this so when I was in college at Michigan State University I was a criminal justice major and I interned as a marine safety officer for the sheriff's department in Michigan so yeah I mean that's that was part of our jobs we would do you know field sobriety tests uh, breathalyzers we would do boating safety checks I taught voter safety classes to kids. It was, it was kind of ingrained in the culture up there. And, you know, as it was more of a community policing effort, everybody knew the police officers that were assigned to their lakes. And it was, it was, 
I thought it was a very effective system. We still had DNR who investigated crashes with us, but in terms of the actual um, arrests and law enforcement, it was primarily the sheriff's department officers. That's a lot different than how it's done in South Carolina. Yes. Jen, there's uh, some voting legislation that's coming up in South Carolina. Yep. Uh, so Will Folks and Dylan Nolan have both written about the voting legislation that is is being passed right now extensively. But I do think there is some effort by lawmakers to put some systems in place and some laws in place to make the, the waterways safer in South Carolina. So I am hopeful for that. Jen, what you can catch her, fitznews.com, fitznews wherever, you YouTube and podcast and whatnot. They are busy people. Jen, great, great article. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Thank you. As always, you can reach out to us on the Impact of Influence on Facebook and Matt Harris Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any story ideas, feel free to send those to us as well. Some comments, Seton. We had one on Apple that says, good show, but must admit the privileged way of language and tone afforded to Russell Reeks. You both sound sympathetic to this man who is convicted, and so, woe is me. I'm not sure if you are aware, it doesn't have to burn him at the stake, but please consider your tone as white-collar crime is just as harmful as other crimes. Uh, yeah, if you, if you pick that up, that wasn't our my intent anyway, Russell no. Lafitte. No, not at all. We don't feel that he shouldn't be punished. I think I said something about getting him back to work to help the people get their money would be advantageous to everybody. But I, I don't have sympathy toward him. No, I don't. I, that was definitely not my intent either. But I'm glad you brought it to our attention because we're glad to answer it. And uh, we will take your comments, good or bad or indifferent. Always uh, love it. Please rate and share and follow the episode and the podcast. Don't forget our other pod we do with Michael DeWitt, the Wicked South podcast, which is also where you find it on Facebook. And we will talk soon, friend. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal.